You're listening to Episode 5 of Justice, Mercy, Faith, a podcast from The Christian Citizen. In this episode, enjoy Christian Citizen contributors, the Reverend Travis Norvell, with his essay, Lenten Rejections. The Reverend Margaret Markison is back on the podcast and asks, do you have a Lenten practice? And finally, the Reverend Jared H. Huguenot returns, reading from his essay, Taking Time for Lent. The Reverend G. Travis Norville is pastor of Judson Memorial Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. In his essay, Lenten Rejections, he asks, What if this Lent, many of us welcomed and risked a rejection each day? What if we embrace this counterintuitive way to strengthen and hone our discipleship? I normally try to give up something, like chocolate, for Lent. By the second week of Lent, however, I awake to giant cookies whispering how delicious they are. This Lent, I'm trying a different approach. This year, I think I've developed a winning formula. 40 rejections, one rejection for each day of Lent. This may sound like one of the dumbest ideas you've ever heard of, but I think it is just the kind of trick of the brain that may open up new possibilities. I modified my Lenten experiment after reading a New York Times op-ed in December by comedian Emily Winter. In July of 2018, Miss Winter set for herself a goal for the year, 100 rejections. 100 rejections from promoters, editors, celebrities, publishers, agents. 100 rejections, 100 no's. As a pastor, I like to think of myself as risk averse. In fact, I plan most of my day around not experiencing daily failures or people telling me no. I like when people say yes to my ideas and dreams. I like it when I celebrate small wins or giant successes. This is ironic because if I had not been willing to take a chance and risk rejection, I would have never been in a position to receive the call to the church I love and serve, Judson Memorial Baptist Church. Eight years ago, I resigned from a call and spent a year unemployed, curious if I would ever pastor again. I was at rock bottom when one day I had an epiphany. It can't get any worse. I put my fear in a box and started applying to jobs I had no business applying for. And the rejection started filling up my inbox. The first few rejections were difficult to take. But a funny thing happened. I started to develop rejection calluses and the rejections lost their sting. So I wasn't going to be a professor of a preaching at a divinity school. So I wouldn't be the pastor of a large historic urban church that said only those with PhDs need apply. So I wouldn't be the university minister of an Ivy League school. So I wouldn't be a seminary president, even though I had a clever angle. A young president will attract young students. And so what that a Unitarian church in Boston that used Anglican liturgy said I was not a good fit for their congregation. I applied again and asked them to reconsider. They did and still said I was not a good fit for them. No matter. With each rejection, I was making progress. I was gaining clarity and starting to take risks I had never taken before. By the time Judson and I found each other, I was clear about my call, clear about my hopes and dreams, 
and clear about what I could and could not do as a pastor. And then life happened. And then my modus operandi went back to being risk averse. But I don't think this is the time and season for being risk averse, for playing it safe, for being comfortable. Even if there is another polar vortex this year, our world is still in a hot mess. This is the time and season for risk, for courage, for boldness, for discomfort, for rejections and failures. This Lent, I'm going to try new prayers, preach new sermons, sing new songs, read new authors, listen to new music, ask new people to join me in repenting of our racism, ask others to join me in giving up driving cars, ask people to give more money to social justice causes and to the church they love, invite new people to join me in the movement for peace, to pray for and with me, to come to church with me, to plant trees with me, to read poetry aloud with me. I expect rejections. I expect some people to slowly walk away from me. I also hope to develop some rejection calluses. I hope to reclaim a clearer picture of myself as a follower and friend of Jesus. The season of Lent is just that, a season. On Easter morning, I can cease my courting of rejection. But during the season, I can welcome risk and rejection as I experiment, try new things, develop new habits, and remind myself of my true self. What if this Lent, many of us welcomed and risked a rejection each day? What if we embrace this counterintuitive way to strengthen and hone our discipleship? Let us give up chocolate after Easter because we're going to need every pick-me-up we can get thanks to all the rejections we're going to experience. 40 rejections. Bring them on. The Reverend Margaret Markison helps ministers do their work without wearing out or burning out through ministry coaching, presentations, and online resources, which can be found at margaretmarkison.com. This month, she asks, Do you have a Lenten practice? I did not grow up observing Lent. In our evangelical circles, giving up something for Lent was what Catholics did. We didn't even observe Holy Week, jumping happily from Palm Sunday to Easter. When I joined an American Baptist church in my 20s, I moved into a world where liturgy was not a bad word. I loved the little liturgical touches, the Advent candles, the Maundy Thursday and Good Friday services, and the invitation to observe Lent in preparation for Easter. For me, giving something up for Lent was an addition, not a sacrifice. I happily gave up ice cream and chocolate. I even gave up coffee one memorable year when two bouts of flu right before Lent broke my real caffeine addiction and offered the chance to take on a sacrifice that seemed impossible before. Every year, I reflect prayerfully on what my practice should be. As my Lenten practice has matured, I now always know when I've hit it, because my first thought is, I don't want to do that. I've learned to lean into that feeling and take it on. Whether I'm giving something up or adding it on, 
I know this will be a real sacrifice. Here are some of the practices that have been the most meaningful to me. One, giving up genre fiction. This was one of the biggest sacrifices of my journey with Lenten practices, really. Genre fiction, romance, mystery, and the occasional fantasy novel is my biggest form of entertainment. I read it every single day. I'm in a book group which reads classic fiction, so I didn't give up fiction entirely. But through that Lent, I mostly read nonfiction, including some wonderful books like Kathleen Norris's Asedia and Me, Marriage, Monks, and A Writer's Life. Perfect reading for Lent. Two, giving away money every day. This one I really didn't want to do, but it fit perfectly with my own efforts toward greater spiritual freedom in relation to money. That year, on Ash Wednesday, about 6 o'clock p.m., I said to my husband, I haven't given any money away today. I'm going to have to find something to do. Moments later, the doorbell rang. On our doorstep was a woman who instantly said, My daughter and I have just become homeless. Would you have any work I could do for pay? My son had just given me a $100 bill to pay back some money he owed us. I knew what I should do, and I simply gave her that bill. But what she gave me was much more valuable the opportunity to begin my practice with a real commitment. Through the days of Lent, I gave extra money to the Street Roots homeless publication vendors, to local nonprofits, to my kids. Sometimes it was easy and fun, and sometimes it was a challenge. At one point I thought, is Lent ever going to be over? However, the practice helped me toward greater awareness of those in need around me, and greater generosity. Three, online news. I took on this practice last year. I've written about it before for the Christian citizen. It felt hard to take on, but it turned out to be the easiest Lenten sacrifice I've ever made. I felt happier instantly. I haven't gone back. I do read the news, but in a contained bounded format like a newspaper or news magazine. Online news and 24-hour television news coverage have no boundaries, so we need to create boundaries for ourselves. That's a spiritual practice. Here's what I'm doing this year. I'm going back to 20 minutes of meditation daily. My husband is looking for a job, and the more spiritually grounded I can remain, the better. Meditating is not as sexy as giving away money, but it's a practice I need. I've done it before, and I've been meditating for about five minutes a day, so I'm already in the habit. Most important, I feel the resistance. I don't want to do that. That is the sign that I'm on the right track spiritually. I'm grateful for the season of Lent and these practices that have helped me be more aware, more thoughtful, and more free. Have you taken on a Lenten practice this year? Whether you take something on or give something up, it's not too late to begin. The Reverend Jared H. Huguenot 
is the Associate Executive Minister of the American Baptist Churches of New York State. He joins us this week to remind us that in taking time for Lent, we will find the calm and steady voice of Jesus calling us back to the fold and along the path God provides. Taking the 40 days of Lent seems an eternity in the fast-paced world we live in. Truthfully, such a religious season is more desperately needed because of this world we live in. Putting the brakes on all manner of demands and deadlines we feel piled upon ourselves seems nigh impossible. Yet have you considered the benefit of doing so? In a world addicted to go, have you given thought to the merciful self-permission to stop or deaccelerate? Lent aims to make us better disciples of Jesus, so that by the time Easter is celebrated, we have made progress in whatever way or capacity we are able to do so, to move God to the forefront of our lives. Its ancient wisdom continues to inform and reorder the world if we simply let ourselves embrace a Lenten rhythm. Lent is often known as a time for giving things up. Some Christians bid adieu to friends on Facebook until Easter, a virtual fasting from social media. Others open up their pocketbooks or their schedules to support community needs through funds or volunteerism. Such practices that require us to let something go that we think we cannot live without actually turn into a practice of saying no to self and yes to God. Surely well in line with Jesus' call to discipleship. Time is indeed money, yet living life more faithfully is priceless. I notice similar wisdom offered by Roger Williams, the first Baptist in the United States. Back in the 17th century, as Baptists began to emerge in Europe, their beliefs and teachings began to work in the minds of these upstart colonists in America. Roger Williams founded the First Baptist Church in America in Providence, Rhode Island in 1638, part of his life shaped by living a contrary-minded faith. When he arrived in America in 1630, Williams was a controversial figure, aggravating the Puritan colonial government to the point that within six years, he was banished from Massachusetts. To avoid deportation to England, where he was equally unwelcome, Williams set off in the dead of winter 1636 for the wilderness. After spending some of that first winter in an old hollow tree to sleep and get some protection from winter storms, Williams later set his reflections into verse form. God makes a path, provides a guide, and feeds in wilderness. His glorious name while breath remains, oh, that I may confess. Lost many a time, I have had no guide, no house, but hollow tree. In stormy winter night, no fire, no food, no company. In him I have found a house, a bed, a table, company. No cup so bitter but made sweet, when God shall sweeten be. A hollow tree may seem a bitter comfort, yet for Williams, it was a place where he felt provided for and able to look forward to the next day. We need places like that, as getting from day to day is about all we can manage. When our bandwidth is exceeded and our last wit feels long spent, 
God provides. Take time this Lenten season to let its ancient patterns and practices of self-examination, humility, prayer, restraint, and fasting open your heart to the possibilities you might not otherwise explore. Listening mindfully for the right voice may seem a tall order not worth taking as we rush through the hubbub. It may seem counterintuitive or too contrary for our own good. Yet we must, for when we filter out the babble of the world's competing voices, we will find the calm and steady voice of Jesus calling us back to the fold and along the path God provides. That concludes this episode of Justice, Mercy, Faith. Thank you to this week's contributors, the Reverend G. Travis Norvell, the Reverend Margaret Markison, and the Reverend Jared H. Huguenot. Our theme music is Believable Too by Peter Sandberg. The Christian Citizen is edited by Curtis Ramsey Lucas and is a publication of the American Baptist Home Mission Societies. We'll be back with a new episode of Justice, Mercy, Faith on March 19th. To learn more about The Christian Citizen, visit the website christiancitizen.us. Until next time, I'm Joshua Keiki. Thanks for listening.